Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my co-host and mom, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. Well, uh, we've got a wonderful show today because we're going to have a woman come on who's been running a TCF chapter and is also a bereaved parent. And uh, I know for you that are listening, this is going to be a very important show because you're going to get some ideas and tips and help and support for your grieving because Barbara Hopkinson is a very um, important person because she's run a compassionate friends group, but she's also been involved with a grief recovery group. And I wanted to talk to her about the differences and some of the things she's found in working with grief parents. How do you want to introduce Barbara for us? Sure, I'd love to, Mom. As you said, today we're going to be talking about tips and support for those who grieve. And our guest is Barbara Hopkinson. Barbara is founder of A Butterfly's Journey to a New Normal and the Compassionate Friends of Greater Newburyport, Massachusetts. She lost three children and has led bereaved families through the journey of grief since 2003. Barbara is a certified grief recovery specialist and author of two books. Barbara resides north of Boston. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to be on and appreciate your having me on. (laughs) Well, I love your site, and I just want to say before we get started that people may want to go and take a look at at your site, uh, A Butterfly's Journey. Uh, is that what it's called, the Butterfly's Journey? Yeah, butterflysjourney.org, and it's F-L-Y-S, um, possessive, not plural. Okay. All right, so uh, talk to us a little bit about your spiritual journey. You, your uh, son, Brent, died in a motorcycle accident. How long ago was that? Yeah, that was uh, 13 and a half years ago in um, 2002. Wow. He, um, he was on his way to being an Army helicopter pilot. Wow. He'd already passed his, you know, he had, he had actually come to us at the age of 15 after one year of local high school and was starting to, you know, test boundaries a bit. And we were on his case and he said, you know what, I want to be a pilot. I want to go to military high school. And <laughs> we got over that shock and said, okay, if you'll help us get you through college, because we're going to spend your college money on your high school. He said, yes. Well, he ended up being third captain, chief of staff, um, at his high school and got a scholarship out to Arizona State University, which was his top choice college. So he was in an Army ROTC program out there and uh, had already passed his written aviation test. And the guys that were just doing their physical test that morning, they decided a whole bunch of them to go to breakfast. And he, somebody had a new motorcycle and he didn't have a lot of experience. And he talked him into treacid cell ice Eskimos. He talked him into trading vehicles with him just to go to breakfast, you know, half a mile down the road. And he mm. lost control of the motorcycle and mm. ran it into a loading dock wall in front of the law library and catapulted him. He landed oh 56 gosh. feet away on his head without a helmet because the kid hadn't brought his helmet with him, even mm. though we had promised us uh. he wouldn't do that. <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Heidi, that's where your son's going to school, isn't it? Well, my nephew goes to Arizona State University. It's a great school. My son is actually going to University of Arizona. Um, <laughs> Those are rivals. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, so we know all about the Sun Devils. And, Barbara, I, it's, I had chills because, I mean, here's a kid that, like, really knew what he wanted to do in his life. Yeah. And he was yeah. on the track to getting it done and doing it. And you would think that, you know, jumping on a motorcycle for half a mile, you'd think, okay, you know what, that's not very far. I'll be okay. I'm right. sure that's what he thought. Plus, yeah. he, was, he had just turned 21. Thank God we had flown out 
three weeks earlier for his 21st birthday and taken him and his fiance. He was getting engaged and his oh, wow. brother. Wow. And the five of us went to Vegas for the weekend for his 21st birthday. And I'm so glad now that we did because that was the last time I saw him alive. Oh, that's a wow. shame. Now, you uh, also uh, had a miscarriage and a stillbirth. Was that before he was born or, I mean, yeah, before he died before. or after? So I was married about seven years when we decided to have children. And my first pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. And that was really upsetting, but then I had Brent and then his brother Brad two years later, and everything was healthy and great. And then Robbie was five years. The boys were four and six when I had Robbie um, and thought everything was fine because everything had gone well with them. And we found out very late in the pregnancy that he had all kinds of issues that had happened, I guess, at conception, some kind of a freak genetic thing. Wow. And um so he only had, you know, one chamber in his heart and a cleft palate and shortened forearms and a liver in the wrong place and one kidney, oh all kinds goodness. of things. And so um, I decided to go ahead, even though they gave me an option to to stop it, because I thought, what if they're wrong? You mm-hmm. know, and he went most mostly full term. And then, you know, you still have to go through childbirth yeah. and all that. And we held him. Um, oh, wow. Afterwards, he looked just like his brothers, you know, oh. with, except smaller, and um, and then wow. buried him, you know, at a service the next day. So it's so it's kind of the reason I mentioned those two is because so many people really don't get the recognition with infant death mm-hmm. or right. or or, pre, or pregnancy loss. Mm-hmm. They don't get the recognition of it being a real death, and of course it is. You know, you have to grieve right. it just like Absolutely. other deaths. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I, is there a difference? Do you see a difference between having an older child and a, a, a miscarriage versus a stillbirth? What are your thoughts about that? Do you have a different advice for people? Well, I, I think probably a lot of what they have to do to heal is all the same kind of thing, right? It's a lot of self-care and one day at a time and trying, keeping an open mind to new things and trying keep trying things until you find things that work for you. But uh, it was more severe for my 21-year-old, obviously, because he was, you know, we had had a life together and very close and strong personality. And um, I think with my miscarriage, I didn't realize, because it was my first child, I didn't realize how strong the bond between parents and children are, you know, until I had children. And then immediately, you know, with Robbie, as soon as I was pregnant, the bond is just as strong as it is later because you know what it's like to raise children. But I wouldn't minimize any of it, right? It's, you, you know, you you have a connection once you know that something is, someone is growing inside of you. You have a, uh, you have a connection to them, and it's, it's, uh, it's a big um, loss and a big challenge. But Certainly, I think you know when the when the kids are older, like Brent was, that it was a different level of uh, of grieving. For I, me. I like what you're saying, Barbara, because we've done a lot of shows on miscarriage and stillbirth, and like you're saying, it is so minimized. And yes. when you mm. when you I've had two miscarriages, and when you get pregnant, you know you're mm. kind of already in your head going, they're going to be born here, and you're already right. in the future. And so I yeah. think that when you lose a pregnancy. You lose your fu- the future that you envision for yourself. Yes. You know, that's part of what you're losing. And also, like you said, there's a bond between a mom when she gets pregnant. And I mm-hmm. always say, you know, we, we knew them nine months longer than other people. And I think that's discounted. I mean, you had a stillbirth, but you knew Robbie for all those months and had a connection with him. Oh, sure. He was moving. You could feel mm-hmm. him moving inside me. And even with the miscarriage that I couldn't feel moving yet, it's still, yeah, you have that. Now, you have that now bond. Listen to, yeah. um, and people, you know, people li- don't, yeah. they don't 
come when you somewhat, you know, with Robbie, because at least, you know, he was, I had a, uh, you know, there was a, a stillbirth, but people that are going through a miscarriage, they don't, people don't bring them flowers and send them cards, you know, very often, right. and, and they don't get a chance to grieve in the same way, which is a shame, because it's, it's just as much a loss. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, when I'm, I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, uh, let's not discount the guys out there, too, because I know that it mm-hmm. is a traumatic oh, thing for them. Too, yeah. To have that whole experience. Now you got divorced um, after your after your son was killed, right? Yes. And do you yeah, think that my, I my know marriage that you fell apart? Unfortunately, what yeah. happens, right, is ideally your marriage gets stronger um, and you pull together. Um, in my case, we grieved very differently and grew apart. And um, my husband, I think, you know, we had separated a couple of times. This wasn't the only reason for the marriage mm-hmm. breaking up. But it was a catalyst, and I think he realized that he just wasn't happy in it anymore. I was thinking, you know, I was thinking ahead to retirement and grandchildren. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think he realized that he just wasn't. Uh, I'm speaking for him. I don't know this, but um, that he just wasn't able to uh, state a relationship that he wasn't happy with anymore. So he I know you've written a, a blog on about the a year fact after that men and women grieve differently, right? And that, that one two punch nearly killed me. I attempted suicide. Wow. And um, luckily, wow. it wasn't such a serious attempt that I couldn't withdraw from it. And about five minutes into it, I realized I can't do this to my remaining son. Oh, wow. Couldn't put him through that. So, Barbara, when you say so. the one-two punch, the one-two punch was, here, Brenna's died, and now yes. my marriage is ending. It, so that's the death of a marriage, and it's You're just right. too much. Yeah, because yeah. at the time, what had happened was— um, you know, we were going through this this horrible loss. I mean, my ex-husband was so devastated, he couldn't work. He didn't go back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't work for three years after our son died. And, and you worked for IBM, you know, I right? I did. I was primary support. But the combination of the loss of my son and I also, he was the kid crazy one. Mm-hmm. So I felt a direct loss of grandchildren when my 21-year-old died because yeah. he was already planning on getting married. They were already planning on when they were going to have kids <laughs> mm-hmm. and all that. So I felt the loss of my son, the loss of my 30-year marriage, which I had been thinking about retirement and grandchildren, right? I wasn't thinking that I had to start over. And then my remaining son flunked out of college the year after his brother died, and I was afraid. He did some things that really scared me. I was afraid that he was involved in drugs. Mm-hmm. He was a little bit, but nothing heavy, thank God. Um, so he flunked out of college. I was afraid for him, for him. And then I was also facing living alone for the first time in my life. Mm. Yeah. Well, so let me uh, stop you here for a minute because I know this is what you said is really important to Heidi. Not surprising that he flunked out of college, is it, Heidi? No, I was thinking the same thing. Right. I Actually, the same thing happened to me. Mm. Um when my brother died, I had to leave school. I basically had a one seven. It was like, okay, yeah. you're either leaving or you're getting kicked out, and <laughs> it's yeah, your choice. Was around that, so, uh, yep. you know, you can't stay in you college. Concentrate. Well, that's it. It is yeah. impossible to concentrate. And I always say, you know, a lot of times adults have the op- option to scale back in their lives, and sometimes kids and, and college students don't. You yeah. just you can't read a book. You can't concentrate. You're living in a, this world that's been turned upside down. So for me, the only option was to to drop out of school and, you know, go work for two and a half years and figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life without my brother yeah. in it. Yeah. No, that's great. He was in a culinary college, and he is a chef yeah. now. Good for him. But, you know, he got out that year, and then he— um, 
you know, again, because I was kind of worried about him, and I was, you know, pressuring him a little bit. I made him go see a therapist. He wasn't, neither his father nor he had gone to a therapist. Mm-hmm. And I had. I was with a therapist for about two and a half years. And so I made him go, but he only went a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But, um, hey, you listen, know, all my, I made all my kids go and, and, and they didn't like it. Pardon? You really have to have... Make sure you have a, a specialist in grief therapy, don't you, Heidi? Absolutely. I was laughing when you said that, Barbara, because my mother had us go to a therapist, too, and it didn't it didn't work for us. Uh, we're th- three girls. Aren't you both therapists? <laughs> I know, right? I, that was before I was a therapist. But, I, you know, oh. my, my therapist, you know, when he met me, he wanted me to talk about my childhood, and I was in the middle of a crisis, right. an existential crisis. My brother had just died. I didn't care what how you know, I didn't right. want to go back to infancy. I wanted to deal with the crisis here and now, and I don't really think he totally understood the grief and loss process and how significant it is. So, yes. and my my son also. We had brought his brother's car because his brother had a car that he had driven cross country. I had made a deal with him that if he got the scholarship, <laughs> he could come get my car. So he did, <laughs> and drove it cross country. But then we couldn't just leave it, so we had it shipped back and. My younger son, Brad, uh, took it to college, and it got broken into and stolen and totally stripped. Wow. With nothing left, no engine, nothing. And so that was another blow for him. If somebody right. had violated his brother's car, you know. So, so Barbara, I'm wondering, you've had all these losses and all this adversity, and I know that you are, you are certified in the grief, re- you're a grief recovery specialist. Right. And I'm curious to know about how you went on to find hope after loss and what is the grief recovery method. Okay, and I found that actually afterwards because after all that, and I did get remarried and, you know, find my new normal, but I've had some other losses. I lost a sight in my right eye from a fall um, (laughs) and some other things. But being so strong, I mean, one of the things about this traumatic loss is it makes you so strong Mm -hmm. that other things you're just not as impervious to Mm -hmm. as you otherwise would be. So, so if I've just had a loss, what would you recommend that I do? Um, the yes, I would. Um, I would say, first of all, obviously you've got to take some time and get some rest and really focus on self care. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> there are tools um, like journaling and deep breathing or meditation. You know, exercise and nutrition. Green vegetables are really good to help relieve stress. So there's all these different things. I think it's also very important to be open to new things like energy healing mm-hmm. uh, and things you haven't tried before. And it's kind of, you're trying different things to see what, what you relate to, what you work with. Coming back to the grief recovery method, and I did all that. I went on a journey and tried, you know, I was open. I was to things that I never had been because I was coming out of I, I was in IBM when my son died and very tied up in the corporate world and the corporate mindset. So I started to open up to these things and found one by one things that helped and kept doing those. And then later on, I found the um, grief recovery method, which has been used internationally for 28 years by the Grief Recovery Institute. And so I became certified in that. So after I started the chapter and had been working with the support chapter in Massachusetts for Compassionate Friends, then I decided that I wanted to do more, and I wrote the two books um, and then I was looking for, you know, I wasn't going to come back. I didn't want to be a therapist, but I wanted to somehow get, you know, 
you know, a valid certification that in a method that would help. And the, the diff- thing that's different about the grief recovery method is it's action-based. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's supplemental to, you know, support groups are great in talking about your loss. But what this does is the grief, re- the grief recovery method gives you, it's got a book, it's got homework, it's got tools, and you actually go through and do a loss history graph, um, you identify uh, undelivered communications and short-term energy-relieving behaviors, um, and then you do a relationship graph with one person and further define the those undelivered communications, which might be apologies, or it might be forgiveness, or it might be other emotional statements, and you eventually, over a course of like seven or eight sessions, um, formulate a letter um, where you can deliver those undelivered communications, and it, wow. whether it, it doesn't have to be to the love to the one that's gone, it might be to somebody else. But you can do it and use these tools over and over again after the class. Um, but it allows you. Barbara, to say let me interrupt you because I am those. thinking uh, before the show ends because I am thinking I am overwhelmed if I've just had a loss with yeah. the grief recovery method. But I love it, and it would be probably great down the road. Talk a little bit about your compassionate friends group for people who need something right away. And also, yeah. tell us how to find your site and mention your two bits. Okay. All right. The Compassionate Friends, uh, I think there's over, there's almost 700 chapters in the U.S. So there's a chapter locator on CompassionateFriends.org. And it's a support group that typically meets once a month where you can go and be with other families that are, or other, you know, parents or whatever, grandparents, siblings that have lost uh, someone uh, a child in their family or anyone before their time, any age, any cause. Um, and that's very helpful for people. And, you know, they do things like an annual uh, candle lighting ceremony and some other things that are have a lot of tools. And, and and you're running a chapter right outside of Boston, right? Yes, yeah, north of Boston. I'm about 45 minutes north of Boston in um, just just south of New Hampshire. And and uh, how do people uh, report, tell them your yeah. website again so they can find you? And what are your two books? Yes, the the website again is is a butterfly's journey dot org f l y s. The books are called A Butterfly's Journey: Healing Grief After the Loss of a Child. This is the first book, and the second book is a collaborative called Faith: Finding Answers in the Heart. With um, it was fourteen of us, fourteen women, were inspirational stories. Um, and, you know, people can reach me at 617-410-6309 or barbara at a butterfliesjourney.org. Why don't you give the telephone number once more? Sure. 617-410-6309. All right. Amazing. You're an amazing woman, Barbara. Well, oh, thank you. <laughs> you, I mean, you really are. Some interesting you stuff, I especially the photos I didn't mention, right? Our healing. Oh, yeah. Mention the photos. For, well, photos they'll see them on your site. Do you want to mention those? Yeah, if you go and look at the photo gallery, also there's a free resource center. So I'm loading all kinds of resources into our resource center. So if you go to abutterfliesjourney.org, there's a free resource center, there's a photo gallery, and we're doing photo shoots at different uh, times and venues because they're very cathartic where people uh, get to write messages, their own messages, on their skin and get a picture taken that we then give to them. And I've got to tell you, I'm on the site right now. It's really powerful. Um, looking at the messages that people are writing and 
you know, I choose not to be a victim is one of them. I mean, there's just all sorts of messages that are very, very powerful. So, yes, go on Barbara's site and look at what she's doing. And, Barbara, you will also be at the Compassionate Friends National Conference this summer in July. Yes, I will. I'll be uh, I'll be in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's hot in July, but it's <laughs> it's a lovely area, and it has a special meaning to me because that's where my son spent so much time. Oh, that's right. That's he right. was right there in in, 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 in Tempe. Keep in touch with his fiance and her parents. I'll visit them while I'm out there. <laughs> wow, that's wow. fabulous. Okay. And good Barbara. luck with your son's wedding coming up too. That's oh, exciting. Oh yeah, my other and son Brad is getting married finally this summer. So maybe his grandchildren in my future after all. I'm so excited. He's getting yeah. married in a big tent on the beach in my backyard. Oh, that's fabulous, <laughs> Barbara. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm happy for that. I love his. Uh, I love his fiance. And my second husband has three grown kids, and I love them. One of them got married last year, and yeah. So there's lots of great stuff going on, and definitely found a new normal. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been great having you on, and uh, we're looking forward to meeting you in person. And uh, good luck with all the things you're doing. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. You're an inspiration to everybody out there that's had a loss. Well, Heidi, uh, Barbara is an inspiration, isn't she? I mean, she's gone through so much, and she's keeping up that enthusiasm. She really is, and, and I'd like to, you know, I think that a lot of people out there want more from her and so please go and go on her site and buy her books and find out and find out how she found hope because she definitely did despite all the the loss she's had in her life yeah and she came from a a place of not wanting to live to the joy you can hear in her voice now so we want to tell you that it is there for you in the future if you're feeling really down and low right now Heidi always uh, and I want to remind you that please visit us at opentohope.com and Remember, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own. And God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.